0: This is Rob Davis, I am the Founding Pastor here, and uh, again, Happy Father's Day! What a great day to be joining or listening to this message. And I do really want to talk about the love of the Father, but sometimes this comes in an indirect kind of a way. I've titled my message, Why You Shouldn't Give Up Even When You're Feeling Abandoned why you shouldn't give up even when you're feeling abandoned and uh, today would be really helpful if you've got a bible uh, to open it up i'm going to be reading out of psalm 22 and uh, there's just a few things which is helpful to make marks on in your bible make some of the connection points and if you have your bible open on psalm 22 uh, i think you'll find that helpful but being abandoned is something that we all experience in one way or another for some people it's really severe and it's really painful Uh, for others we are always going to we're all going to feel some form of rejection or uh, life just doesn't go the way that we wanted to and so you know we hurt we upset Uh, and we all experience a wide variety of emotions i mean quite frankly we are not god and life doesn't go the way we think it should go because we actually aren't in total control but having said that the challenge becomes how do we always relate to god who loves us when we often experience pain or rejection or even abandonment I mean, if you're a teenager and you've been in a a relationship with somebody and then that relationship breaks up, sometimes that can be super traumatic. I mean, your emotions are really high. Not that it's not traumatic at any age group, but I think as teenagers, you you experience this for the first time. And that feeling of rejection or loneliness or abandonment uh, can be very significant. On the other hand, if you're not chosen for a soccer team or some sports event or you're a candidate for a job and uh, you don't get it and other people do, there's a sense of feeling despondent, which could be a feeling of rejection or, you know, in an extreme case, a feeling of just abandonment, like you're alone and now what? Uh, And this, you know, relates to all facets of life. Uh, when there's some traumatic event like uh, a divorce in the family uh, it's easy to feel uh, you know abandoned Uh, it's easy to feel abandoned emotionally uh, relationally uh, even financially but even abandoned by God which is where it becomes so painful it's like God you're not hearing my pain don't you see the way I'm feeling Uh, folks we all experience something uh, in our lives where we've got to deal with some of this adversity and I'm saying don't give up because God does love us you know I often feel for folks that are caught in our legal system uh, our legal system is a great legal system but there are flaws in it and sometimes it can take forever to get to before a judge or if you in some area of the law that's sort of gray or vague and you know, you're stuck in the immigration system or you've you, you got a visa that's, you know, going to expire and you need to renew it. And now all of a sudden, you know, your whole life is turned upside down. You have to leave the country and uh, whatever. I mean, there are so many times in our lives where it's Like, abandon, like all our plans and our hopes have just crashed. And it's outside of our control. Well, as we've been saying again and again during the series of the Psalms, there's a psalm for every situation, which is exactly why the Psalms are so popular. Because we can turn to the Psalms and find help. And we can turn to the Psalms and feel like God can understand our problems. So before I turn to Psalm 22, let me pray. Jesus, I just pray that as I'm preaching this morning, uh, you would just empower what I'm saying. You connect with each person listening. Lord, that there would be reason for optimism. Lord, and that your love would permeate whatever the problem is, and that you would lift them up. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Psalm 22, one of the most beautiful powerful psalms in the book of Psalms and one of the most incredible pieces in the whole Bible. I mean, this is just powerful, powerful scripture. But uh, let me start the way reading from the New Living Translation. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night you hear my voice, but I find no relief. You see, this is such raw, honest community. Where are you? I am hurting and you're doing nothing. There's this real sense of frustration. But we can identify with that when we feel like God is just not coming through. And then this verse 3, it totally turns. It says, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. So what David does here, the psalmist, he says, look, I've got a real grief. And I'm going to say, God, it feels like you've abandoned me. But instead of, like, dwelling there, He's correctly switching His mindset and saying, "Wait, let me think of good times when God has been faithful." And in this particular set, He doesn't even use something personal. He's thinking, like, way back in the day, God did something awesome for our grandparents, and therefore, God is also, he's reminding Himself of the goodness. Of God. But what is uh, really interesting as we go through here is that King David could not have felt abandoned by God if he hadn't already experienced the love and the presence of God. I mean, in other words, he was noticing that something's wrong, there's something missing. My God, who has been so faithful and so loving. All my life, now just seems absent. So, I think our first learning point here is, yes, express your pain to God. And express it profoundly and deeply. But don't get caught in not being able to get out of that. Turn your thoughts to the goodness of God. And then it switches back because... This book is also powerful poetry and we're reading both profound words but also how poetry helps us uh, to connect with the power of God. There's power in this poetry. It says going back now so he's complained and then he's turned and said God you're great uh, you've been great in the past and now verse six but I am a worm and not a man I am scorned and despised by all everyone who sees me mocks me they sneer and shake their head saying is this the one who relies on the Lord then let the Lord save him if the Lord loves him so much let the Lord rescue him again so much pain here's somebody that's being sneered ridiculed you know you outside of the the group of people that you want to be with you've been rejected and on top of that people saying look don't you believe in God? Don't you trust God? Where's your God now? And it's just very, very, very painful. So from a poetry standpoint, I want to pick up what's going on here. If you look at verse 3, it says, Yet you. And then I'm about to read verse 9, and it starts again with, Yet you. So in other words, there's this backwards and forwards. My complaint, Lord, but you've been awesome. My complaint, My complaint, But Lord, you've been awesome. And I think it's helpful to understand the poetry and also see the power in that poetry. Okay, now, there's also uh, verse 9. Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth and you have been my God from the moment I was born. Do not stay far from me, for trouble is near, and no one else can help. And then David uh, continues to explain this. But what he's done here, as you might notice, initially uh, he was, thinking, was praising God for these actions, his grandparents and you know, ancestors. But now it's become personal. And he's saying, God, but you've been good to me personally. And I think that's very helpful is to see God, uh, what he's done generally, and also what he's done personally uh, for us. Uh, it's just incredible. It's an incredible scripture. Now, I'm going to miss the middle part of this psalm, which is actually the most powerful part of the psalm, uh, and jump forward to verse uh, 19, which it says, And yet you, but in this particular case, O Lord, do not stay far f- away. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. And then jumping down to verse 22 through verse 25, uh, King David does something which is remarkable. He says, listen, I am going to praise the Lord. I'm going to find opportunities to get together with others and to worship God and to praise God. And he says, verse 22, I will proclaim your name. And then he says, I will praise you among the assembled people. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. I mean, this is hard to imagine somebody who's dealing with incredible pain of abandonment, but also saying the way forward and the way out of that pain is praising God. In verse uh, 26, no, in verse 24, it says, For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. So he acknowledges that: look, people are suffering, people are in need, but God is hearing it. Verse twenty six: The poor will eat and be satisfied; all who seek the Lord will praise Him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. It's really a remarkable piece of scripture. And it continues in verse 27. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. I mean, this is just escalating in size and in scope. You know, here King David started off with, I'm feeling abandoned. And here we he start to see the greatness of God in the whole universe and that God is uh, in charge. And eventually God's love and God's rule will win the day. All The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. And he's talking about how future generations are going to hear about the Lord. I mean, just a wonderful, winsome uh, way of dealing with incredible pain. So we've learned two things here. There's something... Uh, powerful about not wallowing in your pain but not minimizing it expressing it and getting it out you know if you don't do this you will find that your pain will leak out later on in life I mean things that happen to you say when you were seven you'll find when you're 47 it's still bothering you and it's still impacting you and it's still shaping you or even when you're 67 or 87 you know, this the pain from your past, unless you deal with it, will come back. And part of the way of dealing with it is not wallowing it, but getting it out, giving it to God, talking to others, uh, receiving help, and dealing with the reality of the hurt or the abandonment that you have actually experienced. But the biggest power that we get out of this psalm, and why the psalm is just so incredible. I mean, this is. I'm going to look at the the power part of the psalm right now. Uh, And it's the part of the psalm that really just shows you the power of the prophetic. The fact that this psalm was written centuries before Jesus was crucified. And King David wrote this and it could not have been uh, fully understood until Jesus was crucified. I mean, this is so powerful that if there's only one section of scripture that you need to remember, that you could say to somebody that doesn't believe in the power of the, the Bible, that doesn't believe that God exists, and if you could say, okay, how could I show somebody this? This would be the section, Psalm 22, the, the section that I'm going to read to you uh, right now. And if you can't remember where Psalm 22 is, it's right before Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 is the most uh, well known psalm in the whole Bible. But Psalm 22, uh, to set the stage, I really need to read uh, Jesus' uh, crucifixion. And I'm choosing a section out of uh, the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 15, it says this A passerby named Simeon, who was from Cyrene, was continuing in from the countryside just then and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus, and they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Now, listen to this, verse 23. They offered him wine, drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. Just remember that. Then the soldiers nailed him to the cross. Now, remember this. They divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece. Very specific. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. A sign announced the charge against him. It read, the king of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. People passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. I'll repeat that. Remember this. People passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ah, look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and the teachers of the religious laws also mocked Jesus. Save, he saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross so that we can see it and believe him. Even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. Verse 33 At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma shaktanai, which means, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you abandoned Abandon me. Now, think about this. Jesus knew the Psalms. Jesus, in his time of greatest trial, is praying the Psalms. He's he's recording, he's saying back to God exactly what King David had written in in the Psalms, in in this particular Psalm, Psalm 22. So I want to redo the Psalm 22, but just with the Jesus part, because this is the powerful part, the incredible prophetic. Verse 1, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I've grown for help? Jesus quoting Psalm 22, living it, experiencing that God is not with him. He's he's not experiencing the love of the Father, the connection, the relationship that he has with the Father. He's feeling alone and abandoned. It says, It says, everyone who sees me mocks me they sneer and shake their heads saying is this the one who relies on the lord the thieves next to jesus on the cross the leaders the people walking by all mocking jesus incredible loneliness and abandonment and then it says verse 11 do not stay far from me for trouble is near and no one else can help My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls, fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in like lions. They open their jaws against me roaring and tearing into their prey. My life is poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. And then get this, verse 18. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice For my clothing. Friends, this is just incredible scripture. I mean, here something is, let me just repeat. This was written centuries before Jesus was born. I mean, it was part of the Jewish uh, scripture. It was taught in, you know, the the synagogues. Uh, So Jesus comes along and all these years later fulfills this precisely. And not only that, it's not like Jesus could control the fact that others are throwing dice for his clothing. It happens because God willed it to happen. And again, it, this is the mystery and the incredibleness of Good Friday, why this psalm is so popular on Good Friday. Because what's happening here, and what's happening on Good Friday, and what's happening by Jesus dying on the cross for us, he's bridging a gap, so that we do not feel abandoned, so that we can have access to the Father, that we can be connected to the Father and experience, not just hear about, but experience the love of the Father. It's why I so love the Psalm. It's so why I so love the Bible. And again, folks, if, if you're dealing with a friend or a skeptic, do exactly what I did. Read Matthew uh, read Mark chapter fifteen, the crucifixion scene. Read Psalm twenty-two. See how these have predict- how this is this prediction has come to fulfillment. It is just incredible. But it's not just an argument; it's the fact that we can experience the love of the Father. I mean, what a great Father's Day uh, gift that God gives us. That no matter how your Father's Day is going, whether it's great or not great that we can experience the Father through, and the Father being the Father God, and we can experience it through what Jesus has done on the cross, and we can experience it by the power of the Holy Spirit, who actually can change things in our lives. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does is to deal with the pain. Not that we forget it, But just so the sting of the pain gets removed i really want to pray for you and lord i just pray for everybody that's listened to this message lord i just pray that you would do what only you can do god and that is allow us to experience your love and lord i just pray for every person listening right now that you would remove all pain every memory of rejection of abandonment of pain and suffering Lord that you would remove it in your name Lord that you would replace it with your goodness and where you've come through for us and how you've loved us and how you've protected us and how you've provided for us and the friends that you've given us and the privilege that it is to be able to worship you and when we worship to how we experience your love and your presence so Lord I just pray your blessing on all your people right now